Robert Fox of Hobart Filler Metals discusses the optimization of welding procedures for improved travel speeds and a better overall experience. Hello and welcome to Bevel Talk. Thanks for joining us today. We've got Rob Fox with Hobart Brothers back again. Rob, thanks for joining us again. I know I'm taking a lot of your time, but I appreciate it. Hey, this is what I get paid to do. So I'm, I'm here for you and I'm here for everybody to listen to. Fantastic. So I want to talk to you about some tips and tricks for improved welding performance in position, out of position. How do we help our listeners be better, be faster at their jobs? Sure. So a good place to start, or really, you know, the only place to start is to take a look at your welding parameters versus your welding process. And what I mean by that is, you know, when it comes to welding out of position, there's a lot of different ways to do it. Uh, you can, you know, just take a solid wire and you can weld with short circuit transfer using a conventional power source and that'll get the job done. But you could take a look at welding with a gas shielded flux core wire. You could take a look at using pulse. So, I mean, there's a lot of different alternatives. So kind of stepping through some of that, you know, if we're welding out of position, um, consider uh, like using the equipment to your advantage. There's a lot of different pulse waveforms that are out there that are designed to increase the stability of the, of the transfer at the amperages that we're welding out of position with. Uh, you've got, technology like RMD uh, that helps put root passes in. That's going to help us with our out-of-position capabilities because if we put in a good root pass, we're going to be able to put in a good hot pass. You can't, uh, you can't weld over bad passes without getting bad results. I think part of the key here is, is always being a, a student of your craft, right? Technology is changing um, all around us. The welding industry is, is no different than that. And, Sometimes we get so focused on what we've always done because we're trying to keep up that it's hard to look outside of that and look for alternatives. We're, we're happy, we're content, we're getting it done, and, and it's hard to want to push the envelope. And I think that's what you're, you're telling people to do is, is look outside of that, push the envelope a, lit, a little bit. Look at your parameters, look at your power source, look at your filler metal, look at your, your welding process, and can you do better by changing one or all of those things? Yeah, there's no one right way to do that. And even if there is one right way, there's kind of intermediate steps. So you can you can experiment. And a lot of times there's incremental technology that you can invest in to help you reach, you know, your final goal of maximum productivity. Um, there's really there's really kind of a, a top end to productivity. You can sometimes only put so much current into your part or you can only travel so fast. So you know, taking a look at incremental steps can get you to some of those maximums, but take a look at where you want to be uh, versus, you know, what's what's realistic. You know, if, if we're welding, you know, at 20 inches a minute, you know, are we able to maintain quality? Are we not bottlenecking in other areas? Like, are we waiting on parts to get painted before they, they come out the door? Things like that. Right. Well, and and also, you, know, you got to be able to adapt to circumstance. You know, if you're out in the field welding pipe on a pipeline or in a in a refinery or somewhere, what you've done yesterday and what you might do tomorrow might not work for the situation that you're currently in. And you need to understand what your alternatives and your options are. Yeah, 
taking a look at parameters is critical and, and experimenting, you know, that really goes back to the fundamentals. Hey, I'm not an expert welder by any means. I usually sit at a desk. So, you know, every time that I go out to weld, I got to refresh myself on the fundamentals and take a look at what I'm welding versus what parameters I really need. You know, what voltage is going to give me the best contour for the position that I'm at? You know, what wire feed speed is going to not give me too much amperage that I'm, you know, blowing through something, but, uh, you know, enough amperage that I'm able to keep things at reasonable speed. All right, Robert, I have a question for you about using a cord wire with a pulse process. Is there a benefit to that, combining the, the filler metal with the, the welding process? There can be. Uh, as with welding, there's never a, a set, you know, single answer. So, unfortunately, I have to answer your question with kind of more questions like... You politician. Exactly. How much, uh, how much do you want to spend on equipment versus how much do you want to spend on filler metal versus, you know, how much travel speed do you need to increase by? So asking all of those questions and realizing our expectations ahead of time are going to really tell us the final answer to this question. Uh, but to put things simply, you can weld metal core with pulse and you can get advantages out of welding metal core with pulse. What are some of those advantages that you can get? Yeah, so taking a look at pulse by itself, a lot of the times, you know, we can get higher deposition rates because for the same amperage with pulse, we're going to need a little bit higher wire feed speed than if we weren't using pulse. And couple that with metal core, which, you know, for the same amperage, we're going to need higher wire feed speed with metal core. You put the two together and you can get an incremental growth. Um but keep in mind that with pulse and with metal core, sometimes you lose the penetration characteristics. So you have to balance that with how much, how fast do you want to go with, you know, how much dig do you really need into the base metal? And really the only way to be able to determine if it's adequate is through, through testing and qualifications. Yeah. Uh, I always, I always recommend that people try things before, before they, you know, implement it into production and they do kind of soft rollouts because, you know, welding is just as much of an art as it is a science. They, uh, they kind of go hand in hand. So while, you know, you talk to someone that you trust about what parameters to use, that doesn't factor in, you know, your ability to handle the puddle. So, you know, or, you know, what the weather's going to be like that day or what kind of diameters you're going to run into in the field. So um, you really got to take a look at everything. Quality welding equipment pairs best with quality filler metals. Miller recommends Hobart Filler Metals. Hobart is a leader and innovator in the welding industry and has been for over 100 years. Hobart's Ohio and Michigan-based factories manufacture the wires, rods, and cut lengths you need to tackle aluminum, carbon steel, high-strength low-alloy steel, and stainless steel. Whether you are in the shop or in the field, Hobart has an easy-to-use solution that can provide measurable productivity improvements. When you partner with Hobart, you can rely on our knowledgeable team of applications engineers to help you select the best filler metals and optimize their performance for any welding job. To learn more about how Hobart filler metals can benefit your welding applications, visit us online at hobartbrothers.com. Yeah, sometimes I joke with people when they ask me what I did today. I say, you know, 
something along the lines that I took the fires of hell and with the skills of a surgeon, I built something. Um, that really is welding, right? Yeah, I'd say so. So, so I, I always kind of just... It definitely takes a steady hand. I, I joke about that. I say that kind of flippantly, but at the end of the day, really, it is science. It's art. It's it's skill and it's intuition. Okay. Talk to me here about trends that you're seeing in welding for mechanization or automation in, in pipe and fab type applications. Is that something you're seeing more of, less of, or about the same? So I spend most of my time working with metal core wires, and I see more and more people moving towards automation and mechanization. Not because they want to get rid of jobs, but because they want to make existing jobs more efficient. So, you know, you, you take a guy that has a lot of skill, and you take that skill, that knowledge, and you apply it to making a robot go faster than it could if you, you know, just kind of walked up to the pendant, dialed in some random parameters. Uh, you take that skill and you apply it so that you can go faster than a human's able to reasonably. You can weld at currents that are higher than a human would be comfortable with. Um, I would say the trend is definitely moving towards that. Um, but there's certain jobs that you just can't, uh, you can't automate or mechanize. Uh, if something's not repeatable, a robot isn't going to be able to handle it. And if something's mechanized, it's sometimes inflexible. Yeah, um, I I just keep thinking of, of examples. You know, typically automation is high volume, low mix, but we're seeing more and more where people are looking at doing, you know, high mix, medium volume, or medium mix, medium volume in production, um, trying to be better at what they do or make the lives and the job of of their employees easier to do, or freeing up time and, and skills from a fairly uh, repetitive task so that they can go and tackle other challenges. Yeah. I, you did mention uh, kind of the mix of parts and, you know, applying that repeatability. You know, we're talking about pipe here. And when I worked with uh, Submerged Arc a little bit more than I do now, you know, we typically use a, a manipulator. You put your, your sub-arc torch on the end of the manipulator and that manipulator doesn't really care if it's a 12-inch diameter pipe or if it's a 24-inch diameter pipe. You know, the positioning of the equipment is exactly the same. So you're able to tackle oftentimes a lot of different tasks with one piece of equipment. It's, it's uh, typically in the world of pipe, you're not running into some of the complex geometries that you would say in like the automotive industry. So that actually sometimes helps us out when it comes to, you know, taking these repetitive tasks and finding a way to do them better or easier. I just have to ask, how often do you tell somebody that you you do submerged arc and they ask you how long you've been diving for? Uh, I'd probably say a good 30-40% of the time, which is still surprising to me, but uh, I'm not even a good swimmer, much less a good diver. So I always chuckle. I mean, I I think it's it's kind of funny and and kind of indicative of our craft that there's so much out there that sometimes we forget to look outside of where we're we're sitting and and see how much more there is to it. Yeah, and there's always technology is always improving. I mean, when I first started welding, you know, I spent all this time just getting used to stick, then learning about the other processes, then learning that you could actually weld underwater. I mean, it's, there's always something new. There's always some better way to do something. Well, 
maybe we should do a podcast about underwater welding. Uh, let us know what you think. Uh, leave a comment if you think we ought to. Talk to some underwater welders. Um, Robert, again, thank you for your time. Um, for our listeners, visit hobartbrothers.com for any questions about cord wire or anything else. Um, we'll have some links to various web pages in our show notes. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, another thing to keep in mind is if you have any technical questions, uh, you visit the Hobart website, you can find a way to contact our, our application engineering department and speak with people who, who weld with our products day in, day out, and are familiar with how to use them and how to better speed up your welding process. Perfect. Thanks, guys.